Runners Anonymous, the podcast. Welcome to episode 4 of Runners Anonymous, the podcast. For those of you who have been with us since the first episode, thank you. Here's the next one for you. For those of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Uh, I hope you like what we've got here. Alright, so uh, we're not going to waste a whole lot of time on introductions here. We're just going to get right into it. So, in this episode... I'm going to start off with a little bit of old business uh, from the previous episode. Got some new business to share with you as well. And then we're going to move into a recap of the New Jersey Marathon that I ran at the beginning of May. And then I've got two new websites for you to check out. And then finally I'm going to finish up with something I'm actually going to be doing in the fall. And it's the Runner's World Running Festival. And it is incorporates a 5K, 10K, and a half marathon. All of this happens in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is not too far from where Rodale, the parent company that uh, publishes Runner's World, is located. And actually there are a couple of people uh, from uh, Runner's World who actually live in Bethlehem. Uh, It's a neat town. We'll talk more about that uh, at the end, but... uh, I actually had a chance to get a sneak peek at the half marathon course, so that's what we're going to finish this thing up with. So, without any further ado, let's move into our old and new business. Okay, so now for some old business first. In my last podcast, I mentioned a new product that I'd found in Kansas called Rev Honey. And it's basically an energy gel uh, that is uses honey as the uh, main form of sugar. Uh, I actually had a chance to use the product uh, during a race. I used it during the uh, New Jersey Marathon, and I want to get back to you and let you know that the product I thought worked very, very well. Um, first of all, it tasted good, uh, which is always important. Uh, but um, one of the things that I usually have trouble with, and maybe you guys do as well, uh, some of the other things like Cliff Shots, Goo, Hammer Gel, um, the little pouch that they come when you rip it open, assuming that your hands aren't so sweaty that you actually can rip it open, 
uh, you don't have to use your teeth or something like that. Um, I always find that after I'm done using uh, any one of those products, that I've got product on my hands, and then my hands are sticky for the remainder of the race. What was kind of neat about this Rev Honey, it actually comes in, I guess it would be similar to a very small toothpaste tube, and uh, when I was done, I did not have any product on my hands. Um, product went all in my mouth and has a nice little cap that you can replace. And I just put it in my uh, my pouch till I found a uh, suitable trash can to throw it in. Um, but so no mess. Kind of a neat thing there. So I wanted to pass that on to you. Again, the product is Rev Honey, and I will uh, link to it again in the show notes. So uh, be sure to look at the uh, the show notes, uh, which can be located at Runners Anonymous Podcast at Blogspot. Dot com. So that's where you guys can find the show notes. In this same episode, episode three, uh, I had an interview with Justin McCarthy from Garmin. And if you listened to the um, episode already, uh, you heard in the interview, one of the things that Justin mentioned was that Garmin will hand out products to folks in the media to try out uh, and write honest reviews about. So this was kind of a a real shot in the dark, but I did uh, get back to uh, Justin in addition to thanking him for the interview and letting him know where he can find the the podcast if he wanted to listen to it. Uh, I also put in a little plug there for uh, for this podcast that... uh, if he wanted to consider uh, this podcast and myself as a member of the media and he wanted to uh, send a brand new Garmin watch my way, I would be more than happy to use it every single day, uh, podcast about it every month, and also blog about it every month so that people can see uh, you know, how the product is going along. Now, um, I don't have the... The listenership that, say, like the New York Times or um, some large uh, media outlet has. Um, so I think that the, the chances that I'm going to be getting a free watch to chest out is probably slim to none, and old Slim probably just left town. But you know what? You don't, you don't lose anything by asking, and uh, I just thought I would throw that out there. If, for chance, I, I happen to... Uh, get a package in the mail, and it happens to be a new watch, I will absolutely let you guys know about that, and I will let you know uh, how the product testing is going along. So that takes care of our old business. Now moving on to some new business. Since I just mentioned uh, listenership, I want to first of all thank uh, the folks who are now subscribers to this podcast. Thank you very much. While it is true that I would do this podcast regardless of what the uh, number of subscribers are um, because I enjoy doing it. Uh, It does really help to know that there are actually people out there who do come back every single month to listen to this. So thank you very much. Um, I would just like to throw out one thing. If uh, you're still enjoying this podcast, uh, if you wouldn't mind, please tell one friend. So all I'm asking, tell one friend about this podcast 
and uh, we'll see what happens from there. Alrighty, that's it for the old and the new business. Now we're going to move on to our first topic that doesn't have to do with old and new business, and that is the New Jersey Marathon. Okay, so now it's time for a recap of the New Jersey Marathon. The New Jersey Marathon was this year, May the 6th, and this is a point-to-point -point marathon, meaning that you start in one spot and you finish in the other. Uh, this started at the Monmouth Park Racetrack, which is a horse racing track, uh, and you actually run out to Asbury Park and you actually finish in, I believe it's Long Branch, New Jersey. It's the actual name of the town that you finish in. This was actually my 13th state marathon. I'm trying to do a marathon in each of the 50 states. It's actually marathon number 17 total for me, but uh, for the states, it was state number 13. So this was lucky 13 for me. And I got to tell you, uh, until the race start started, this marathon was very much living up to the moniker of Lucky 13. Just a whole bunch of things that just did not go well, including things like uh, my watch that I always wear, the battery died. Um, a lot of this stuff really was just small stuff that just, you know how things go sometimes when... Uh, you know, it's like a thousand and one little things that you won't remember two, three weeks, which is certainly my case. I don't remember most of them. But at the time, it was just like, what else can possibly happen this week that uh, makes it even more difficult to just pack up and get out of here and just go do a marathon and be done? One of the other things that was also um, kind of hanging overhead uh, with this marathon was... Uh, after finishing this marathon, I'm currently back in school to uh, get a, a higher degree in my nursing education. And I actually had a week-long clinical that was planned, uh, poorly planned, I would also add, uh, for the week uh, just following this marathon. So basically, I ran the marathon on a Sunday, and I started clinical on Monday. And, of course, that went Monday through Friday. So uh, that was an interesting week as well. But... Uh, not part of uh, this podcast. So anyway, so the New Jersey Marathon. A uh, couple things. Uh, I do have a much longer explanation of the New Jersey Marathon on my uh, blog, which you can find at runnersanon.blogspot.com. That's also available in the show notes for this uh, podcast. Um, so I'm going to hit the highlights again for this podcast. And I'll also probably mention a couple things that I didn't mention in the blog. Um, like my watch die. I didn't mention that in my blog. Anyway, uh, so the New Jersey Marathon. A couple things that you need to know about the state of New Jersey. Uh, the state of New Jersey is the most densely populated state out of all the 50 states. Um, basically, you have a lot of people and not a lot of real estate which is generally a bad mix. Um, so 
I got to say, um, I'll just get my criticisms out of the, the state of New Jersey out ahead of time. Uh, the state itself felt rather claustrophobic. Um, there's some kind of homey things that I'm used to here in South Central Pennsylvania um, that I didn't realize I would miss once I left, but, you know, I do. Um, and uh, one of the things that's certainly around here is there's a definite difference when you go from one town to another around here. Um, even if it's just simply like the street signs are different colors, each town has done something to make the next, you know, make themselves look different from the next town over. Didn't find that in New Jersey. You could have, and I did, you could drive for an hour and not know you've entered and left 15 towns. They all look a lot alike. Uh, street signs are the same. Nothing changes. Uh, just like one town after another town after another town after another town. So uh, I found that a little um, a little claustrophobic. Uh, again, you have a lot of people and not a lot of real estate. You're going to run into traffic. So if you're going to be going to the New Jersey Marathon, plan ahead. Uh, leave early. There is going to be traffic. I'm not really sure there's anything these poor folks could do about it. Uh, there's just too many people in a small area. I really think it's what it comes down to. Um, I have some criticisms about the road system there. Um, they have uh, what's well known, uh, at least on the East Coast, is the uh, Garden State Parkway, uh, which is a uh, toll road. And it's about a toll road, and I'm probably not stretching it, probably every 10 miles you stop and pay another toll on this thing. Um, and over here on the East Coast, we have this thing called Easy Pass, which is an electronic device. You put it at the front in your dashboard, and it's already been hooked up to your credit card, and you can just drive through the toll booth and it hits your credit card um, or a bank account that you've set up in the Easy Pass. You know, so much money in your Easy Pass account. Uh, so you go through, so you don't have to take tickets. Which is fine. Um, I'm not on toll roads very often, um, so I haven't really felt the need to go out and spend the money to get one of these things and then hook it to my credit card. Um, so I just, you know, I just brought money with me. I said, that's fine. I'll just take a ticket and pay the tolls. Well, one problem on the Garden State Parkway. Um, this may have something to do with the financial difficulties that the state of New Jersey uh, is currently experiencing. But they don't have anybody at the toll booths on the Garden State Parkway, which means there's nobody to collect fares, which means you have to have exact change at every single stop, which means I had to find another way to go that was not the Garden State Parkway, because who carries exact change for four or five stops on the Garden State Parkway? Certainly not this guy. So that was a little bit annoying. As I mentioned, traffic is a big problem. When I arrived for the expo, um, it took me anywhere from a half an hour to 45 minutes uh, to park. And that was all due to traffic. Uh, I think they probably could have done some things that would have made the traffic move um, a little quicker, 
certainly maybe 15, 20 minutes quicker. But again, um, you were going to at least sit for 20 minutes just because of, about, of the amount of people that were um, trying to navigate you know, these few streets that they have uh, leading to where the expo was. Good news, uh, since the expo is taking place at the start, which is a horse racing track, there actually was plenty of parking there. It was just getting to the parking that was a, a pain. Here was the other thing that I felt. I, you would think if you're having an expo at a horse racing track that you would make sure when people are arriving to collect their bibs and their packets and maybe stand around a little while and do some shopping at the the vendors that you have here, that you'd make sure that there wasn't anything else going on. Or at least nothing big going on. Unfortunately, these folks didn't do that. Um, of course, I arrived on May the 5th to pick up my uh, race packet. And of course, if you check your calendars, or if you're a horse racing fan, you know what was already transpiring on May the 5th. The Kentucky Derby. I had to push my way through people in the paramutual lines, waiting to bet on the Kentucky Derby in order to just get to the Expo. Not cool, guys. Um, you're going to want to rethink that one in the future. Um, again, the inside uh, was dark. You know, it's basically the inside of like a you know large grandstand grandstand area. Um, not the most inviting area, I gotta be quite honest, and this is pretty severe criticism. It kind of looked like a bad flea market in there, um, so really, really not impressed with the expo. Uh, I think they could have done a much better job. Um, certainly, you know, turn on a couple of lights, that would have helped. Um, but uh, probably, certainly if you can, if you include the size of uh, this race, because it's a fairly big race, um, without a doubt, probably the worst expo I've ever gone to. Um, just a lot of problems with that expo. So needless to say, I get back to my motel, and I'm, I'm already kind of ready to go home. It has not been a fun trip just getting here. The expo was, was lousy. I'll just put it that way. It was a lousy expo. And I'm kind of sitting here wondering, oh, good grief, you know, if if everything has sucked this badly just getting here, you know, what's this race going to look like? And again, <laughs> this is lucky 13. So, so far, again, you know, living up to the number. The race itself couldn't have been any more different than the travel to and the expo. The race itself was absolutely fantastic. So fantastic that it more than made up for all the garbage getting there and getting the race packet and fighting through people who are, you know, waiting to bet at the for the Kentucky Derby. First of all, one of the things they did that I thought was really, really interesting. Quite often, when a marathon uh, includes also half marathoners, they tend to run everybody at the same time. Everybody starts at the same time, so you're lined up with a bunch of people who may or may not have the same bib 
as you do because they're doing a half marathon and you're doing a marathon or vice versa. And then usually there's some fixed point X number of miles ahead where they'll split you. The half marathoners go one way, the marathoners go another way. Traditionally, that's the way things work. I have uh, run uh, uh, one race where they actually started the half marathoners afterwards, um, about a half hour or so after the marathoners had already left. Uh, I did another one where they actually uh, made the marathoners and the half marathoners start at different spots. So the marathoners start at one spot, and the half marathoners actually start at the halfway point for the marathon and just run the end of the marathon. All of these are okay ideas. What New Jersey did, and I really, really like this idea, so I hope uh, there's some uh, race directors listening to this podcast who will take it and steal it because it's a great idea. They had the half marathoners go out first, so... I'm going to get the times wrong, so these are just loose. I believe the half marathoners, their start time was 7 o'clock, and so they all have to line up, and there's a lot of them for this race. Uh, They start up, and they run them through. So as a marathoner, it was kind of neat to stand there, and I got to watch and cheer for the half marathoners as they left. We don't start for another hour, so... In addition to, again, that part somewhere out on the, on the course where they're going to split us anyway, unless you're a really, really fast marathoner and, you're, and somebody else is a really, really slow half marathoner, these two groups are probably never going to bump into each other because you figure, hey, even if you're like two and a half hours for the half marathon, um you're probably going to be crossing the finish line and done probably before a lot of people even get to the cutoff, which I want to say was somewhere around mile 11. It was actually fairly late into course uh, before they split. Up. They did the split. So uh, I thought it was kind of nice. It's nice for the half marathoners because they're only running with other half marathoners, so there's more room on the course for them. And again, they're going to be the first ones to the... Uh, post-race festivity, so hey, that's kind of a benefit for them as well. It's a benefit for us as marathoners because, again, the course is less crowded, and the only people you're running with are marathoners, so you don't have to, and not to be snobbish or anything like that, but it's it's nice to know that everybody you're with is doing the same thing. So uh, that was really neat. So, of course, the, the course itself, it's fairly flat. Um, it's not Florida flat. Um, there's a couple of, eh, I would say, gentle rises. There's nothing really I would consider a hill in this course. Uh, a couple of gentle rises. Uh, but for the most part, it's fairly flat course. Most of this course uh, either goes through uh, neighborhoods, i.e. subdivisions, or through city streets. There is a bit of this course that is actually on the boardwalk, and again, depending upon which way you're facing, uh, the Atlantic Ocean is either on your left or your right. Uh, It's on your left on the way out, and it's on your right on the way back. 
Um, you probably are only on boardwalk for about a total of five, maybe six miles tops. Um, but honestly, I don't know how they could have added more boardwalk to this. So uh, uh, that part was really, really nice. Uh, a nice little thing. Uh, but for the subdivision part in the beginning, they opened up the entire street for the marathoners to run in. Um, I can't say I've never seen that before, but it's really, really rare. Uh, and one of the reasons why it's probably rare is because, generally speaking, the people who live in these subdivisions probably don't like having all their streets locked down for two to three hours on a Sunday morning so that marathoners can run through. Uh, you wouldn't have known that from these folks. These folks couldn't have been more pleased that we were running through their neighborhood. Um, really, really fantastic fans. Um, again, you know, when a marathon's going through your neighborhood, there's one of two ways this can go. People can either look at this and say, you know, community spirit, we're going to go out and cheer these people on, or they can get really angry at you and call you a lousy parade. Um, I'm telling you, um, except for Baltimore, I don't know that I've seen better fans. Um, being from the Baltimore area, um, I do have a bit of a bias towards the fans in Baltimore, uh, as I've watched Baltimore fans cheer me in a driving rain. <laughs> I had no reason to be out. I had no reason to be out in the driving rain, um, doing a 10-mile race, but, uh, these folks decided to just walk out with umbrellas and stand on the side of the road and, and continue to cheer. So uh, hard to top that, but these folks in New Jersey came real, real close. One of the surprises, though, I thought, you know, I'm coming to New Jersey. People are going to have music, um, and they certainly did do that. I heard very, very little Bruce Springsteen. You know, again, it's a stereotype. You would think, you know, the guy's from Jersey. He's actually from Freehold, New Jersey, which is not far from where this race uh, takes place. And that, you know, there'd be a bunch of Bruce Springsteen fans, you know, hometown boy and all. And maybe there are. Uh, they certainly weren't playing it as he ran by. I did not hear any Bruce Springsteen on anybody's radio until mile eight. And I made a big issue out of it to these two guys who were... Uh, blaring it from their garage that, uh, you know, I had gone eight miles to hear Bruce Springsteen. I did hear him one more time, uh, eh, mile 15 or something like that. But that was it. Um, you know, I heard more Shakira than I, uh, than I heard Bruce, and I'm not so sure that Shakira's from the, uh, the Garden State. But, uh, yeah, I could be wrong on that one. Anyway... Uh, as I mentioned, it's a point-to-point -point race. Um, plenty of water stops. Uh, water stops at least every two miles. Might have been a little closer. Some might have been a little closer than every two miles. But at least every two miles. Um, the scenery was very, very nice. Uh, it's nice neighborhoods they're running you through. Um, and again, you know, the people came out. I mean, every time you turned a corner, there was somebody, you know, yelling your bib number out or putting a hand out to give you a high five. Hard not to enjoy a marathon with all that is going on. Um, uh, even ran by 
somewhere around mile 13, you're run by a, by a Catholic church. And uh, actually the two priests from that church were actually at the, uh, uh, at the end kind of blessing people as they went by. So again, just everything was just fantastic about this. So a really, really fun marathon. But the finish... If you've been following along with me, you know I have a bugaboo about how uh, marathons finish. This one did a fantastic job. You finish, and again, it's Long Branch, New Jersey, just north of Asbury Park, but it's all kind of similar uh, in this area. And it's an area that's it's not a main road. You're, you're still close to the shore, but it's all shops, and it looks fairly new. Uh, a lot of people hanging out, again, here. It's, the crowds are very, very thick here when you run through. Uh, but for the finish, I don't remember if they actually called people out by name, which they did in Kansas, but they did, um, you know, mention about every two, three minutes, you know, when a new group of people would come through. You know, here they come. They've been running for so long. Um, you know, let's give them a hand. And, uh, you know, now that I, uh, I do all my marathons with a uh, Marathon Maniac singlet on, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of comments. A lot of people are uh, thrilled to see a Marathon Maniac uh, singlet come through. So I get some extra cheers, I think, just because of the singlet. So uh, a reason for you to uh, do, uh, do enough marathons so you can get yourself one if you don't already have one because it's a fun club to be in. But it's at the finish. So you get through to the finish, and uh, they uh, hand, you the hand you the medal, which is a nice medal. It's a big medal. Um, and actually, the inside spins. Um, I just like medals that have, you know, interesting things about them. And this was a very interesting medal. It just wasn't, you know, a piece of metal on a, you know, piece of ribbon and they hang it around your neck. There was actually some some details to this marathon to this marathon medal, so really cool. But when you finish, of course they, they put the medal around your neck. Points for that. Then what they did is they walked you over, they have a spot where they take finishers pictures. They walked you to there, take take a finisher's picture uh, with you. I actually got two uh, finishers pictures. One where I held up, you know, a one and a three to symbolize 13, because this was lucky 13. And then after you finished that, they actually handed you, of course, your water. I would have rather Gatorade, but, uh, you know, we've been through that before. Um, they hand you your water, and then they hand you a bag with basically all of the post-marathon food in it. So there was uh, bagels in there. There was um, chips. I want to say pretzels, uh, might have been cookies or something in there. There was a whole bunch of stuff already in the bag. So you were certain to get everything they were offering. Um, now, for the bagel, it would have been nice if they had had a spot where uh, they actually had condiments, uh, peanut butter, jelly, something that I could have put on the bagel because otherwise it was just a plain bagel, uh, cream cheese, something. Um but I gotta say, I complained about Kansas that uh, after the finish, they just kind of set you adrift to go and find all the post-marathon goodies 
food, fluids, and stuff. Um, Jersey didn't do that. They made sure you got everything um, after you finished. So, you know, what else can you ask for? So, I gave this marathon, I believe this marathon got an 8 on my um, little scale. Uh, if you haven't been following along, I actually have uh, 8 things in a marathon that I actually grade separately. Um, and then I weight 2 of the 8 things in order to get a total of 10 scores that I then calculate into a, an average. Um, and so New Jersey got, actually I think New Jersey ended up with like a 7.9 and it got a 7.9 because, you know, it took forever to get there. Uh, and the expo just was, was terrible. Um, just a terrible expo. Um, but, uh, you know, if the, if the expo had actually been average, uh, this very easily might have been you know, 8.7 to a 9 out of 10 uh, for this marathon. It really was um, getting to the expo and the expo itself that really dragged this marathon down an awful lot, um, in my estimation anyway. So the good news, though, if you're doing a 50-state challenge and you need a New Jersey marathon, I highly recommend the, this marathon. I would say, again, show up super early because they're going to have a problem with parking. Um, but uh, it was just, it was a great, great marathon. Um, so there is that. Now on to the next topic. Okay. As I promised, I have two new websites for you to check out. The first one is one I've actually been using for quite a while. Probably have been using it almost as long as I've been back into running. So we're looking at about seven years. And the website is Cool Running. And the address is www.coolrunning.com. And I'm going to pull the page up and just read you some of the stuff that's on there. So it's basically a website that features lots of different things. Um, it has what I think is probably one of the better pace calculators, although they're, you know, a pace calculator is a pace calculator, but it's the one that I actually have saved and have had saved uh, in my computer for, like I said, almost seven years now. So you know, if you don't happen to have a Garmin or a PDA or a smartphone uh, or something that, you know, can do GPS um, and give you your actual, your time, uh, and you're just doing the old-fashioned way with a watch, uh, you can plug your, your distance and your time into the pace calculator, and it'll give you a pace. So that's always really cool. But the thing that I also like a lot about Cool Running is Cool Running actually has a, a spot where you can actually search for um, race results. So instead of just going to the particular website of the race that you did, because all these things are, you know, like once they go on the web, anybody can see them. You can actually search through them uh, 
through Cool Running and find your results that way as well too. But they also have stuff on, you know, articles on training. They have uh, news articles about running from around the world. They have resources, you know, personal running logs, calculators, links, and tools for other runners. And then there's a community section um, where you can exchange advice and the forums. So if you like to talk in forums uh, and read um, running commentaries that are posted by other people. So really, really nice site. And again, that is www.coolrunning.com. And again, we'll also be in the show notes. Like I said, I've been using this one for a while. Really, really like this. But I um, started using Twitter. Not that I know what I'm doing on Twitter. Uh, and if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow find me at rnr766. So uh, I've been I found this uh, next place uh, on Twitter, and it is called runaddicts. Dot net. Um, Run Addicts is actually the name of the uh, the website, and they call themselves a professional running blog. And basically, what it is, it is a website blog, whatever you'd want to call it, um, where people write articles and submit it to them. And they have a number of people who write for them a lot. Um, but if you felt really strongly about a particular topic, you could write a little article. Um, I'm, again, make sure all your facts are correct. Uh, you may have to give um, information as to where you got your facts from. But again, you could write an article, submit it to these folks here at Run Addicts, and they could post your, uh, your article. And then people from around the world who uh, get onto this site could see your article on running, which I think is kind of a really neat idea. Um, and again, they're on Twitter. They post little snippets like a lot of people do on Twitter. Um, and lots of really timely and interesting information. Again, uh, I haven't found anything that I've read so far. Again, we're only talking about two months. Um, to be, um, egregiously outlandish and, uh, you know, stuff that I would go, ooh, wow, um, you want to be careful with their information. Um, you know, like anything, again, if you're reading something that uh, is chiefly opinion, please take that in mind that it's opinion, and opinion can certainly be wrong. Um, you know, it's opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, the stuff that it has to, to deal with uh, with facts, um, I found their stuff to be uh, pretty accurate. So kind of a neat thing to check out. So, again, that's Run Addicts. Net. So there it is. And now we're going to move on to our last topic for this podcast. In my last episode, I had a chance to do an interview with a guy named Bart Yazzo. If you're not familiar with Bart Yazzo, Bart Yazzo has a job at Runner's World, which is called Chief Running Officer. Basically speaking, 
what Bart Yazzo does, he's kind of like the head cheerleader for running in general. Uh, if you know what his job is and you're a runner, you'd probably think he's probably got the greatest job on the planet. Um, he goes to about 100 races a year. Um, doesn't run all of them because um, he uh, came down with Lyme disease uh, several years ago. Um, and so he's not able to run as much as he was before. But he does run, um, uh, I'd say probably, you know, five to ten of these uh, races anyway um, that he actually does do a bit of running in. Even if it's a marathon, he only runs a half marathon. He is running. Um, so, you know, it's still not a bad, not a bad uh, record there for a uh, for hundred events a year. It's a lot of events. If you uh, are one of the people that follow him on Facebook, um, he's forever putting up, you know, he's going to this race or that race. Well, what they've done this year um, is um, Bart and a number of people at Runner's World because as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, uh, Runner's World is not very far from a town called Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is actually where Bart grew up, so he knows the town really, really well. And they've decided to have a running festival in Bethlehem. Now, if you're familiar with the um, company Bethlehem Steel, which actually was in Bethlehem, um, big steel company, but the steel company left Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, probably in the late 60s. And for a long period of time, the old steel mill and the factories were kind of left dormant. And I'm assuming probably became one of the rougher neighborhoods. As in most places, you know, things that are left dormant tend to draw crime. Well, what the folks in Bethlehem have uh, started to do is to revitalize this area. And instead of just having it remain dormant. They have museums, they're putting in shops, there's a Sands Casino Hotel that's there. The local public broadcasting station uh, has their station headquarters in this area. So they're really doing a really nice job of revitalizing the area. They do concerts there now. Um, really a neat place uh, for folks in the Bethlehem area to kind of gather and come together as a community. Uh, so, a really nice idea, and this is the location where the running festival is going to happen. And as you would expect, they're going to showcase the city of Bethlehem. Um, and so it's a two-day event. Um, there's going to be um, a 5 and a 10K on the Saturday, and a half marathon on Sunday. Um, and the dates... And the website for this are going to be in the show notes. Um, but it's in mid-October. I don't have the date right here with me. I uh, forgot to write it down with my notes here. And uh, so I'm just going to refer you to the show notes. Anyway, um, since I'm uh, friends with uh, Bart on Facebook, uh, one day, about two weeks ago, um, he put in there that he was going to be doing a... Um, run of the half marathon course and anyone that would like to come with him to do the race and get a preview of what the course looked like is more than welcome to come join him. He's going to be running this at about a 10.5 uh, minute per mile pace, 
which is certainly within my wheelhouse. Now, Bethlehem's about two-hour drive from me, but, uh, you know, how often do you get to preview a race with basically the race director? Uh, I'm not sure if Bart is the official race director, but I would not be surprised if he was. Um, you know, how often do you get to run a race with the race director and have him tell you all about the race and what's going to be here and what's going to be there and, you know, we're going to have a band here. I mean, how often do you get a chance to do that? So, you know what, for a two-hour drive, it's worth it. I will throw out to you, if you are within uh, driving distance of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and you are not friends with Bart Yazoo on Facebook, uh, check it out. You might want to do that um, because he's going to be doing more of these um, between now and the actual race itself in mid-October. So, you know, there's an opportunity for you to uh, do the same thing that I did. But it was, you know, very informal. I mean, Bart's a very down-to-earth kind of guy. Um, it was myself and about five or six other people um, that got together, and we just went through the whole course um, with Bart saying, okay, you know, here's our, you know, like, this is how many hills we have, um, and this is a hilly course. For those of you who are uh, coming or planning or thinking about coming, this is a hilly course. Um, not the hilliest course I've ever run. Uh, i, I got to be quite honest with you. I think the Gettysburg Half Marathon, for those of you who have run the Gettysburg Half Marathon, is a hillier course. Um, but what they've done for this um, running festival, and I'm was very happy to hear this. They, they've said this is a hilly course. They don't want people coming to the race and thinking, oh, you know, the hills aren't too bad, and then getting there and going, oh, my gosh, um, what did I just get myself into? Um, so, again, if you're coming or you're planning on coming, train for a hilly course. I'm just saying from races that I've run, um, one of those being the Gettysburg Marathon, that I thought the Gettysburg Marathon was hillier. But my whole area where I live is nothing but hills. So uh, you, you can't get away from them. Um, the, the thing that was different, though, is that um, uh, for Gettysburg, they were calling them rolling hills. And uh, I, 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 there were people who I saw were very upset because, you know, when you hear rolling hills, you're not thinking of the hills that you see here in south-central Pennsylvania. Um, so I think calling it a hilly course for the Runner's World Festival was a smart idea. Um, going to have less complaints afterwards. Um, but they have speakers. They're going to have um, this really kind of a nice thing. There's a, there's a, a half arch, um, which is going to be the finish line. And eh, about 100 yards after that is this kind of like theater in the round. It's an open-air theater. And there's a not a jumbotron screen, but it's a large screen. And they're actually going to delay by about three minutes the video from people crossing the finish line until it's projected on that screen with the idea that after you finish, you'll have enough time to get your medal, get some fluids, and make your way over to this screen to watch yourself finish this race on the big screen. How cool an idea is that? So if you haven't signed up for it, you want to do that. Also on the website, um, and I'm going to include this in the show notes again, uh, Bart has actually gone on Facebook, YouTube, I believe, um, 
maybe someplace else. Uh, I saw it on my Twitter account as well, too. Um, and there is a video of the course and kind of telling you, you know, where things are, where the hills are and stuff. But again, there's nothing like actually running the course, seeing it for yourself, um, and having, you know, essentially the race director give you a guided tour. I mean, how cool does, how cool is that? So, uh, I'm hoping that uh, the next time he does that, he actually does it on my weekend off, because uh, I will definitely make a uh, a trip out there and do that again, because that was just an awful lot of fun. So that is the Runner's World Half Marathon. Uh, oh, one more thing before I go. Um, if you haven't thought about it, what they're doing for this race, they're doing something kind of like the Goofy Challenge, if you're familiar with the Goofy Challenge for Disney. Um and you can sign up for all three races for one price. So what that means is you'd run the 5K, and then you line up again on Saturday and do the 10K, and then you come back on Sunday and you do the half marathon. If you do that, they're calling it the hat trick. You're going to get three medals, one for each race, two shirts, and a hat. I'm assuming the hat is, you know, Kind of a pun on hat trick. That's why you get the hat. So really, really cool and, and pretty reasonable. I mean, uh, the the hat trick, I believe, cost me $130, which is about what you're going to spend for uh, one of your better marathons. So, you know, pretty much in line with what you would, you know, a, a bigger marathon um, price. So um, pretty reasonable. Uh if you like gambling, there's the Sands Casino, probably a half mile from the finish line. Uh, and uh, Bethlehem is a really pretty little town. Um, I mean, it's a city, but, you know, um, it's really very pretty. It's literally into the side of a hill. So um fair number of things to do around there. So something to check out. Well, that's it for episode four of Runners Anonymous, the podcast. I hope you have found this podcast interesting and enjoyable. I hope you like it so much that you tell one friend. Uh, if you want to tell two, that's okay with me as well. Uh, be sure to check back uh, at the beginning of uh, each month. That's when a new podcast is going to come out. Uh, until then, thank you very much for downloading this, and we'll see you next month. Good luck to you and your training, but for now, I gotta run.